All right. So what I'd like to do tonight with, I don't know, the 15 or 20 minutes, hopefully by 7.15 at the very latest, we'll be done, is I'd like us to look behind and then look ahead. So what I mean by that is I want to spend a few moments kind of going over all that we've done this semester. I want us to ask some good questions. I want us to just dialogue a little bit about that. And then I want us to think ahead. I want us to think about what's coming our way. Who you want to be in the future. Who you should be thinking about being in the future. Who should you think about marrying and dating in the future. So you got to help me out because I don't plan on making this just a one-way conversation. So we, we started the semester with a, a series on authority and then we dove into this series we called God's Good Design. And Peter kicked us off because I wasn't able to be in town. Peter kicked us off by giving us kind of the foundational principle for everything we've taught this semester. And it was... Understanding what? Do you guys remember? If you can think all the way back to when Peter taught. It was uh, kind of our foundational understanding for gender and sexuality. Do you guys remember? Anybody? Um, I think it was authority. No, not quite, but good try. Somebody else? Okay, good. They are men and women... Are created equal in what? What did we say? Equal in value, but different in what? Function or role. So this has kind of been the underpinning of everything we've taught this semester. Everything we've talked about. Men and women are created equal in dignity, in value. When God looks at men and women, they were equal in his eyes, equally valued, equal in dignity. Both have been created in the image of God. They carry the imago Dei that we see in Genesis. That's a great place to start. Because so often, when people are kind of attacking the biblical worldview of gender and sexuality, they will say, you know, it's just a power trip. But we can say quite honestly and very confidently that men and women are created equal in dignity and equal in value. But we also then went on to move and say that men and women are created distinct in role. So somebody help flesh that out for me. What do we mean by that? Yeah, exactly. So uh, men, if we were to um, just, 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 just distill the whole idea behind their role, it was that of headship. And we kind of used three different words to describe that. What do we use? Anybody remember? That's right. To lead, provide, and protect. Can somebody just be, just tell me a little bit about what that would mean? What would it mean for a man to be a leader or a provider or a protector. Just talk to me a little bit about that. Some, anybody got any thoughts? What would that look like? Okay, so uh, a man needs to, I would be careful with main source of income because it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to make more or less. Um, but men need to be working hard to provide for their family. 
It's really the heart of what's going on there. They need to do everything they can to provide for the family. I know some very godly couples that the woman makes more than the man, but the man is an extremely hard worker. He works his butt off to provide for the family. Doesn't make it ungodly. But yeah, great. So I think the heart behind the provide is a man sees it as his role to work hard to provide for his family. What else? So maybe if we don't do... Yeah, go ahead. Okay, great. So leading them uh, spiritually from God's word. So uh, building a culture in his home that his family knows we go to God's word regularly and often for answers to life. We go there to meet with our Savior. Great. What else? Protector, anybody? Take a stab at it. Yeah, so the man sees it as his role to care for and protect his wife. I loved Matt's illustration uh, of karate. Do you guys remember that illustration? So like what happens when the, the girl or the wife, the girlfriend, whatever you want to call it, she's a black belt in karate and the dude's a sissy. What do you do? If a guy comes to, to try to mug them, does the, does the dude just step aside and say, you got him, you get him, honey, I'll root for you. Like that's... That's lame. That's lame. That's not caring for his wife. He may get thrashed before his wife gets to come into play, but he might get thrashed for the glory of God, right? He sees it as his role as much as it is up to him to care for and provide and protect his wife. So we took that headship principle that we, we saw it all over Genesis. We carried it out throughout scripture that, we, that men are, head, are the heads of the home. They have a unique responsibility to lead. Okay, great. What about the women? We said that the women were helpmates, okay? Can somebody flesh that out a little bit for me? Okay, encourage their husbands and enable their husbands to be better leaders. Yeah. Yeah, so they respect the authority. Help them grow spiritually. Yeah, sure. My wife plays an integral role in my life to help me become a more godly man. That's right. That's great. Thank you, Jaina. The, the most important thing we must understand here is that when a woman is fulfilling her, her role, especially in marriage, but even outside of marriage, when she's fulfilling her role, she's serving God, not just her husband. She serves God. Because ladies, look at me. I, I, I can probably honestly say every one of you finds it a little bit scary to submit to a man that you know is not perfect. Right? It's got to be a scary idea that I'm going to have to submit someday. And it's not submit, go sit in the corner, don't do anything I don't tell you. That's not the submission we're talking about. We, we flesh that out. But at some point in time, we're going to have to submit to a husband who's not perfect. He's not Jesus. But we must see it as our God-given role to submit to God and to serve God as we care for and serve our husbands. Does that make sense, ladies? Are we on the same page? All right, good. 
So here's what I'd like to do before I kind of give you the looking ahead. I would just love to hear from you guys. What are some things that you have maybe been, you have learned, maybe you've been challenged in, or maybe have been encouraging to you as we've walked through this series? So I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot. I know a lot of you have your notebooks. You can go back if you need to and look over some things. But I'd love to hear from you. What have you learned? What has been encouraging? What has been challenging? Guys, girls, I'd just love to get some thoughts from you. I want to know that this is sinking in. I want to hear from you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it really resonated you when, with you when you were hearing and kind of thinking about that equal in value but different in role. That just because it's a different in function of role doesn't necessitate a value difference. Yeah. We talked about that. Just because you're a helper doesn't make you less in value. At the end of the day, <laughs> what it might communicate is we're idiots for needing help. <laughs> right? We need help. God has given you a specific and a grand and a beautiful role to enable men to serve and love God. That's great. I am a better man because of my wife. Thank you, Allie. Anybody else? Something that stood out to you, encouraging, challenging. Okay. They sit back and say, Manliness is drinking dark beer. Manliness is uh, watching football. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Brandon. Just this idea that manliness is actually kind of clearly laid out in, in, in scriptures. It's not vague and left to the side and you go figure it out. We, we recognize the intricacies of it are, are maybe more vague. But the, the solid pieces of it, what your role is, what you're designed for, it's pretty well laid out. In a, so that's also encouraging, but it also gives us zero excuse. <laughs> Zero excuse. Good. What else? I want to hear some more. Okay. I will want a husband. Okay, gotcha. Okay. So that was kind of new to you to think about... um, Almost the role reversal in the curse that the woman would desire to rule over her husband. Much like uh, when we, we went to the Cain and Abel story when we see that uh, sin's desire was to rule over you. And my phone is ringing. I wonder if my pizza's here. <laughs> Leah, did you have something? I'd love to hear it. Yeah. That's great. That's great, Leah. Thanks for making that point that, ladies, you have an impact on the men in your life and how they make decisions and how they think. You can be a great encouragement. Or we also talked about how easy it is to what? To, to cut their legs out from under them. Good. Anybody else? I'd love to hear a few more. Thank you. Yeah, so that idea that uh, we have to be careful, especially ladies have to be careful, but guys need to be careful too, that as we're 
dressing and putting ourselves together in a certain way, uh, we can actually do some manipulation through that process of trying to attract a specific attention or, uh, or draw attention to something rather than uh, putting the Lord on display. That's great. Thank you, Kate. Kenzie, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's great. Thank you. We can see, you know, some people, there are a lot of people that don't think the Bible is real. And I totally, that's fine. (laughs) But I love how we can see the, the Bible is not just true because we believe it, but we see, we see the truthfulness of it in life. That all of the curse is played out in all of our relationships. And in so many ways, it just mirrors what we see there in Genesis. We see the curse active and regular in our lives. Great. Okay, great, yeah. So we need to not, Peter said this, that was great, not try to convert the culture, but let's lead them, lead them to Jesus. We don't need to go at, after all the culture at large, but let's go after people and love, G, love people and love Jesus as well. Great, anybody else? Okay. Good. Thank you. Thank you. So just re- recognizing that is man's desire. One of our, one of our issues, one of our things from the fall is that we are tempted regularly to abdicate the role God's given us, to bail on things that we need to step into, to run when we need to press into decisions or situations. I mean, I see it. I, I see it in my own home. When I hear something going on with the kids and I really should get up and go do something about it, my, my first desire is to let my wife deal with it. But I need to step into those spots and be the man that God's called me to be. So we need to fight our desire to abdicate. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Sandra. Austin talked a little bit about uh, uh, some some people that he knows that really kind of they feel like they've entered into the conversation of uh, of same sex attraction, homosexuality by just posting things on their Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, and they feel like their ministry hand is done. But they haven't really stepped into love anybody. They haven't really stepped into walk through something with somebody. So yeah. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, those are not substitutes for ministry. They can be helpful in ministry, but they don't substitute rubbing shoulders, coming into somebody's life, and truly loving people. Yeah. Austin rocked it, didn't he? I was so glad to have him here. Yeah. 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 So Ali was talking about how that question of, you know, should we hug somebody who's got, who's dealing with same-sex attraction? If I'm a guy, he's a guy, am I going to make him stumble? And uh, I remember actually wrestling through that right when I started doing 
meeting with him and doing ministry with him, it was fairly new for me to think through. Uh, and I remember asking a few people, and all the counsel I got was, give him a hug. Love the guy. And he said, I was missing some of that good, godly, appropriate relationship with guys. And he missed out on that. And so he wanted that and desired that. And so, yeah, he said, give me a hug. <laughs> good. Anybody else? All right. So with the time that I've got left, and it literally, it's not going to take long. I want us to look ahead. As we wrap up this entire series, this is the last time I'm going to teach this semester. The next time I teach will be at camp. Um, We'll be getting ready for that. But I want us to look ahead. So one of the things that that I want you to realize, and I I want to make sure you understand from me, is dating is not a bad thing. Dating is not a bad thing. (laughs) Can we say it again? Dating is not a bad thing. I'm just convinced... That the right thing at the right time makes a right thing. The right thing at the right time makes a right thing. So I opened myself up a little bit. I think I was a little bit vulnerable with you guys. Some of my past, some of what's going on. I kind of gave you some of my uh, counsel. And now I've opened myself up for if you guys want to talk about this stuff, come talk to me. Now, I know some of you have disagreed with what I said Sunday night. I hope, I hope that you're willing to have conversation about it. As we emailed throughout our team, we didn't get a, lar- a, a kind of a large pushback. And so we'd love to converse with you if you don't agree. I want to talk with you, ask you questions, learn what God's doing in your life. But today is not about that. Today is about three things, three things that I want to encourage you to do as you think about relationships now or in your future. Three things. These aren't going to fix all your problems. In fact, they might be entirely anticlimactic for what you're hoping I would give you. But these are three things as I sat and as I prayed and as I thought about what would I want to leave you with. These are the three things That kind of came to me. If you want to have a healthy relationship, whether it's a dating relationship, a marriage, an engagement, I don't know what the relationship you're thinking about. Quite honestly, the first couple of these would be completely applicable in friendship as well. But let's talk of them in the realm of, of a romantic relationship. If you want to have a healthy, God honoring relationship, here's the first. Thing, the first thing you must understand and the th- first thing you must do. Ready for it? You must pursue the Lord yourself. You must pursue the Lord yourself. If you're a Christian, you must understand nothing kills a relationship with another believer. Like putting your relationship with the Lord on the back burner while you pursue a romantic relationship. Nothing will kill it quicker. Nothing will build a more unhealthy relationship than making an idol out of that special someone when you should be worshiping the Lord. 
I know that seems, maybe, I don't know, maybe it seems like a duh. Duh, Ryan, we get that. But I'm going to talk about this because I saw it in my own relationships in high school. I see it in some of yours and I see it until people grow old. If you don't focus on your own holiness and knowledge and love for the Lord, your relationship will crumble. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. You probably know this verse. I, I think I've actually gone there already once this semester. But I want to show you something. 1 Thessalonians What did I say? Five? Is that what I said? Yeah, I totally wrote down the wrong verse. hate when I do that. What did you say? There is a 1 Thessalonians 5.18, but that is totally not what I was trying to do. It's actually 4. I don't know why I wrote 5.18. I must have been reading that for something else. 1 Thessalonians 4. I want to read verse... Two and three for you as we get started. You ready? First Thessalonians 4, 2 and 3. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Your sanctification. Say, so Ryan, why are we going here to talk about relationships? Because I am showing you the will of God for your life. It's like, Ryan, you know the will of God for my... Yes, I do. It's right here. I know the will of God for your life. The will of God for your life is sanctification. I promised you. Everybody up here, eyes up here. I promise you. The most important thing you can do now, in five years, in 10 years, in 45 years, in 75 years, if you are still alive, is to pursue Christ. And that will greatly impact any relationship you are in. So often in relationships that fall apart, marriages that fall apart, their eyes have turned away from the Lord and looked inward to themselves and said, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what makes me happy. And that's just a recipe for destruction. A recipe for destruction. If you're dating right now, this is the best thing you can do. Pursue Christ. If you're hoping to date in the future, this is the best thing you can do right now. Pursue holiness. Pursue Christ. If you say you love Jesus, nothing will improve a relationship like when two people pursue Christ with all their heart. I can see this in my own marriage. The times when Tabitha and I are struggling or not communicating clearly, getting frustrated with each other, I'm almost always, when we step back, I'm almost always being selfish. I'm almost always 
wanting or desiring something more than wanting and desiring loving the Lord and sacrificing for my wife. Almost, I could probably say 100% of the time that is true. If you've been in a relationship before, if you've been in a dating relationship before, usually the main issue is that we're in this for ourselves rather than somebody else or rather than the Lord. So it's no wonder there's no long-term commitment. Pursue the Lord. That's my first bit, I promise you, of dating advice for you. Pursue the Lord. Have I said it enough yet? What do I want you to do? Pursue the Lord. Thanks, Brandon. (laughs) All right, here's the second one. Here's my second kind of piece of advice and counsel for you. If you want a healthy, God-honoring relationship, whether it's a dating relationship or a marriage, you must understand and practice true love. You must understand and practice true love. What I mean by that, and we're going to get into scripture here in just a moment, we've got to stop letting Hollywood define romance and love. Okay, I'm going to confess right now. You ready? I like chick flicks. My mom, my mom had three boys, so I'm the one that learned how to shop and watch chick flicks. I don't know what happened. I'm I'm a mess. I really do enjoy watching a good chick flick. If you won't listen anymore, I'm sorry <laughs> to what I have to say. But Hollywood is, hi- listen to me guys, Hollywood has hijacked love. They've hijacked it, destroyed it, twisted it into something that is unbiblical, unhelpful, and destructive for your future relationships. Or your current relationships. When we look at movies in Hollywood, love is all about a feeling, uh, an epic high, something that, that stirs us so we, we can do nothing else but think about this person. That's infatuation. That's not love. If you will look at scriptures you will find a very different picture of true love. I'm not going to go 1 Corinthians 13. <laughs> You're like, I know where he's going. Ha <laughs> ha! First of all, do you realize that's not a marriage passage? 1 Corinthians 13, you know, love is patient, love is kind, all those things that love is. That's not a marriage passage. That's actually in the context of a local church where a a letter is being written to a local church about how they should treat one another. So let's just get that out there. It doesn't mean you can't read it at a marriage. That's, That's not wrong. But that's not a marriage passage. When you read that passage, think love one another. Don't think love this special someone. But what I would like you to look at is I think the most beautiful picture of love that we have in scriptures. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I got to get going if I want to be done in five minutes. I'm going to read Philippians 2, 3 and following. 
Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was not in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So this is a great passage when we talk about humility, but I promise you that is the most beautiful picture we have of love in the world. That a man would lay down his life for my sin. That's sacrifice. So I want you to redefine love in your life. We must see love as a daily choice to sacrifice for the well-being of others. I just made that up on the spot. I hope that's good. (laughs) Love is sacrificial in nature. It is, I promise you. If you want to look to a marriage, you can go to Ephesians 5 to look at a beautiful passage of of marriage where it talks about men are called to lay down their lives like Christ, to, to serve and love their wives like Christ loved the church. What did he do? He died. So dudes, if you want to know what it looks like to be Jesus to a wife, you die to yourself every day. Love is about sacrificing for the benefit of one another. Looking at somebody, so let's go into the context of marriage, sitting at the dinner table, looking at your wife or looking at your husband and deciding, I'm going to do whatever it takes to honor the Lord and to serve the other person. And when that works together, it puts on a beautiful display for the gospel. We must understand and practice true love. And this often means laying aside your own desires, your own wants. That's love. What is love? No, sorry. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. All right, and here's my third thing, and then we'll finish up and you guys can go to group. As you think about marrying someone in the future, or as you think about dating someone in the future, you must, look at me everybody, right here, you must care about quality, but do not expect perfection. You must care about quality, specifically in character, but you must never expect perfection. What do you think I mean by that? Can somebody talk talk to me? What do you think I mean by that? Sure. So we've got to have standards, but your standards, just quite honestly, can't be Jesus. (laughs) We want them to look like Jesus in some ways, but you can't be like, until you walk on water, not me. Like, <laughs> we've got to have standards. I, I, I hear, I'm going to speak to the ladies because I think this especially comes into play with the ladies. Ladies, you need to have high standards. But they need to be <laughs> achievable and honorable to the Lord 
You need to be able to look around at your own local church, see godly men who you say, you know what? I think that would work. I think that would work. They're pursuing Christ. They're submitted to a local church. Yeah, they're not, they're not perfect, but I think we're going in the same direction. I think we're going in the same direction. So the first thing, I, I, bottom line, if you're a believer, they've got to be a Christian. That's a non-negotiable. There's no such thing as far as honoring the Lord as missionary dating. I promise you that's not a good thing. He doesn't need to simply just go to church. He should know more than John 3.16. She should know more than John 3.16. You need to see somebody who loves Jesus, makes decisions based upon God's word, cares about growing and changing and submitting to the local church. Those are important. He or she, you can plug those in. He or she needs to be these things. All right, now I wanna, what I want to do is ask a few questions to the ladies and then to the guys. These are kind of questions you should be asking, and then we'll wrap it up. Ladies, is this a man you can respect? We talked about that earlier. Is this a man you can respect? Could you submit to him joyfully? Could you submit to him joyfully? Is he hardworking? Can he provide? Ladies, right now, if you're interested in a guy but he can't do his schoolwork, let's just back off just a little bit. Will he lead your family spiritually? Is he someone who loves God's word in his own life to the point where he's going to love God's word in your life? All right, guys, this is your turn. Look up. Will she be a good wife and a good mother? Will she disciple your kids, be a part of that process with you? Will she encourage, listen up, will she encourage your leadership? And will she submit to the Lord and to you? Do you see a a spirit of honoring the Lord and submitting? Now, what's interesting I'm going to just say this quickly. What's interesting is there's a lot in Proverbs about the kind of wife you shouldn't have. It's actually kind of scary, ladies. If you read through Proverbs, there's a lot of times where it's like, yeah, you don't want this. You do not want this. So guys, is she nagging and temperamental? Easily shifting with the winds? Loves drama? Back off. You can see that in Proverbs 25.15 or Proverbs 21.9, 25.24. You can see this nagging or temperamental. That is not a good spirit for a woman that you're going to marry or date. I promise you, it's just bad news. Is she a gossip? Can you trust her with your words? Is she somebody who will honor other people in the way she talks about them and loves them? All right. You can see that in Proverbs eleven thirteen and Proverbs sixteen twenty eight. For the sake of time, I'm not going to go there. Here's where I want to land the plane. 
God has designed manhood and womanhood to be a beautiful picture for the gospel when they work together. It displays Christ and his love for the church. If you want to be serious about loving Jesus, you're first going to start being serious about what that looks like in your own life. Then you're going to get serious about the kind of person you want to be around and want to marry. All this semester has not been about dating and relationships, but it's been about dating and relationships. If you want to be a godly man, look to the things we've talked about. If you want to be a godly woman, look to the things we've talked about. My hope for you is that you'll see 5, 10, 15 years from now and say, if I want to be there, what do I need to do now? So I worked at Fidelity for a couple of years. I got my Series 7 and 63 financial licenses and had a lot of conversations with people about investing. And the best conversations I ever had were with 20, 21, 22-year-olds who didn't understand what was going on. But after I talked with them, they recognized how important it would be for them to invest for the next 40 or 50 years. They started saving. And I talked to some men who had six, seven, eight, ten, fifteen, twenty million dollars in the retirement counts. And one of the things that they would tell me is I started when I was young. I started when I was young. If you want to be a godly man in five, ten, or fifteen years, start now. Ladies, if you want to be a godly woman in five, ten, fifteen, twenty years, start now. Got a couple of questions for you. I don't know if they made it on the screen or not. It's not a big deal. Uh, what I'd like to do is just pray and let you guys head to your groups. Because uh, then what, uh, what your groups will be doing, I gave them the freedom to do whatever they would like. They can go to the questions that I've got. They can go and talk about the summer and how to pray for each other. I've given them uh, whatever they would like to do. Follow them and engage. But I hope, I hope you guys know And see that I love you guys. And that I want good things for you guys. Sometimes this means teaching on really, really hard things. Sometimes it's teaching on things that are black and white. Sometimes it's talking about things that might be a little more gray. But I love you and I want good things for you. Let me pray. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for passages in your word that shed light on us and who we should be and who we can be by the blood of Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you are a person who's not just come and died and just saved us from what we've done, but you enable us to grow and become more like you. We'll never be perfect in this life, but you've promised there's a day coming when we will be. So thank you for saving us. Lord, continue to work in the lives of of anybody here who does not know and love you deeply. Be with our groups tonight that they would laugh and enjoy their time, but that it also would be fruitful as they minister to one another.